You're listening to Dynamo's Dust. Now let's welcome your host, Ian Dynamo Kelly. Welcome to Dynamo's Dozen, the podcast that I bring you each and every single week where I talk about whatever may be on my mind from pro wrestling, sports, entertainment, music, movies, muesli, fresh socks and jocks and everything in between, never forgetting the talc. Welcome back to Dynamo's Dozen. Today we have got such a cool show for you. I'm actually joined by two very good friends of mine and what we decided to do is literally bring you our Friday night's for your ear holes, basically. Uh, I'm joined by <laughs> Emmett Cleary, um, and I'm joined by my man Finchie, who you've heard on the podcast before. Uh, for any of you that aren't familiar with Emmett, Emmett is a uh, is definitely a legend around the Dublin uh, club scene, for sure. Very good friend of ours, like I said. Um, really cool dude. We're going to talk about some... Uh, some funny stuff, some problems, some some happy things. We're just gonna go and uh, shoot the shit today. And of course, you've had fin- we've had Finchie on before. Um, you've heard him shoot the shit with me about NFL, biking in his biking days. Uh, we talked about MMA, boxing. So you're gonna get pretty much when I say everything in between. That's the show that you're getting today. So um, first and <laughs> yeah, foremost, be prepared. Yeah, yeah be prepared. First and foremost, um, first time on the show, I would definitely like to give a huge welcome to my boy, Emmett Cleary. Welcome, Emmett. How are you now? How are you, Finchie? What's going on, Emmett? We need, Emmett a, we need a round of applause button. That's what we, we need. Do, we do, we do, we do. Emmett's a Wexford boy for all my American listeners. This is exactly the kind of Irish man you really need to be talking to. You don't need to be... In fact, I've got two country boys on. Drinking Guinness out of a <laughs> Yeah, pretty on. much, yeah. You've got You've a half a country on. boy on with me, technically from Bray, but, you know, it depends on who you talk to. They'll say that it's Dublin. And, uh, Bray isn't Dublin, you mad joke. Exactly, yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Dublin people will tell you that Bray is Wicklow and, and that, you know, they don't want us. So it's right, super value on Bray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> super That's value on Bray, to be fair. the most Wexford thing I've ever heard. Some super value up there. Last the best pizza counter and the best garlic bread ever. <laughs> I worked there when I was 16. It was great. Every Sunday. Uh, I served my time in a centre, believe it or not, when I was 16. Oh, yeah. oh you're a blue and yellow boy, were you? Oh, yeah. Blue coat. <laughs> blue coat. <laughs> <laughs> What I've about you, Finchy? Where did you where did you start out? Never worked in a deli. I worked in the he Grand Hotel in. He was on a little. He was on a little tyke from the first day. The tough streets, the tough streets of Tremor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started working in the, in the Grand Hotel in Tremor. My actually no, I'll be honest, that's a lie. I love Tremor. I was there that every was my summer, first legal yeah. job. I was um, in a nightclub in that hotel. In the Grand Hotel. Yeah, there's one beside. Or O'Shea's. There's one beside it, or near it, and or in and around it. Well, there was a few. They, they built a nightclub down there called South one time. Carl Cox played down there. Um, they flew that dude in a fucking helicopter. I'm not even Carl joking. Carl Cox you. in the milk. They chew a lot of ice cream. 
Did you know the voice cubes on him, man? He only finished half the set, jumped into his helicopter and fucked off. I was like, yeah, that's the welcome. <laughs> Poor Carl, I'm a big fan. But yeah, he got belted out of it. Yeah, for the listeners there, you'll probably hear references that I just mentioned there. Carl Cox in the milk. We will explain that later. We won't actually explain that later. What we will just say is imagine Carl Cox lying in a pool of milk. Think about it. DJ. DJ. Yeah. Literally DJ. In milk. In milk. In a cup. Yeah. In a coffee cup of milk, actually. There's a whole other hour dedicated to that story. <laughs> I have the images. I have the photoshops. It's a, you, know, you know the usual cop-out that people say where it's a long and not very interesting story? This is the opposite. It's a long and very interesting story. Yeah. I don't know how that started. We were, we were at the Zoom bar till about half four in the morning when this, this conversation came up. Right, up. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it because I was actually more, one of the more sober ones. I was woken up uh, to a text to, co- to join a Zoom chat. Um, I was, you know, obviously woke up completely sober. I hadn't been drinking that night, and I managed to find a bottle of of the bubbly, of the prosecco. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this later, right? Okay. So what I'm seeing on my screen later is, uh, is the, uh, I suppose, is the aftermath of what what we discovered. For some reason, we were talking about Carl Cox, you know, legendary DJ, and. Um, for some reason, I guess we'll tell the PG. Then she went missing for a half an hour. We didn't know what was going on. It then he came back minutes. with the greatest theme we've ever seen. In our was, lives. There was At basically the there was a picture or something like that that looked like Carl Cox in milk. I'll say that version. And yeah. uh, Emmett decided that he wanted a full version of Carl Cox in the milk, and this is literally. Oh, oh I, made, I made two of them. You weren't I happy with the Carl first Cox one. in the milk. So Finchie, if anyone's not familiar with it, is really good at making memes and putting little um, pictures together. So what we got, we will share on the podcast. So for anyone listening to it, we'll put a link in the description and we will show you the work. Um, Finchie's great work. And of course, Emmett's great vision um, of Carl Cox in the milk. And, I uh, messaged him, you know that. And, and yeah, why did, oh, Emmett, oh, Emmett, why don't you explain what you actually done then you took it a step further once you had that meme so, and you messaged the man himself i uh, like finchie said we were in the zoom bar and um okay. i went missing for i went missing for about 10 minutes and they were like what are you doing i was like i, I just i just privately messaged carl cox on instagram our <laughs> meme that we probably thought was hilarious but he probably saw four million messages on his instagram and didn't even we, look we woke him up yeah at five o'clock in the morning Psst, hey, carl hey carl and he They're just smashed his phone off the wall in his bedroom. <laughs> I, think, I think if he did see that, that would be the one out of four million that would probably catch his eye. <laughs> I, made, I, made two, I made him holding a litre of milk. Did I make that one as well? Yeah, you had him holding a litre of milk as well. Jesus so he was in the Christ. milk, he was holding milk. Literally, Carl Cox was milk. Um, Never again. Never yeah. again. Not, not go- the Zoom bar. I need to be thrown out that Zoom bar. And for anyone that tries to think that this is a racial thing, you know, it's not it's at all. It's, 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 it's a actually play on not at all. Words. It's a play on his album. Uh, he's got an album uh, called Milk or Milk It or something. And he's also yeah. uh, in the mix is uh, is one of his set list things he did. And so he's Cal played Cox Cream a million times. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Screamfields. Yeah. So we put Cal everything in together the in the mix. Mix milk with cream. And what do you have? Just Carl people Cox listen right now going, what the fuck? These are lads are high right. as fuck, lads. <laughs> right, so we're actually not high, we're sober. Actually, let's say, uh, while we're... <laughs> while we're, uh, while we're... <laughs> let's get away from Carl Cox and the milk. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, speaking of clubs, Emmett, why don't um, 
you obviously uh, I did mention earlier that you are a uh, you're you're one of the biggest kind of um, local kind of club promoters around Dublin and have been for pretty much the last I suppose decade. Um, yeah, and um, I suppose COVID from your point of view. How is that working out for from the likes of yourself and, and people like you at the moment? How, just just to kind of bring it down a bit and bring it to reality, I suppose. I guess kind of. Um, I guess we go back to March, really, and it yeah. was about it was the Thursday before the weekend of Paddy's Day, yeah. and I guess going back to even just a few days before that, uh, we were in a student night on Monday the twelfth, and we had just clicked the nine hundred person through the door. So, like, we were off to a massive year. January, February, March were huge. We were up 20% across 900 people. And um, so you can imagine when the COVID star talked, I made sure that album went up on the Tuesday. So instead of putting the album of that busy a club up on, and we're all closed and we're in lockdown and COVID. Jesus. So, but like I told you privately before, we were on the door and myself, the general manager, and the security, we were starting to talk, but even managers from that run the rival student nights had come around and we were all kind of chatting going, this looks quite serious. You know, it looks like we're going to actually be shut down here. But we all thought, okay, for a few weeks, they'll kind of, this will drift by. Um, the general manager overrides is an Asian guy and he's lived through some of these pandemics back home i think it was the sars outbreak sure yeah and um, i think it was the flu one as well in the 80s or 90s yeah um i'm sure all you got to do is turn on cnn anytime before covid and you can see asian people wearing masks so they Very were true. already quite prepared for this but he he was kind of like no this is gonna last months lads and we were like hopefully not so on that thursday morning i was called into the bar and um the decision was made to close because all bars in Ireland, as you know, and clubs and everywhere had to close on the Sunday evening of the 15th because yeah. Paddy's day would have just been crazy. Paddy's Eve. And so already he's made the decision uh, to close down on a Thursday morning. And then we were one of the first to do it. And then the likes of our rival bars like Tramline and Mulligans and stuff like that followed suit. So it really took one or two people to go right. We're closing. And then it was a tsunami of everywhere across the town closing. Was there um was there much of a kind of a backlash back then? Because I know there was a bit of a lull there between the bars where we can, they kind of accepted their fate for a little bit, right? But then as other places started to open, the bars were getting a bit tense. Going, hold on a second now, what what the fuck about us? Like, I mean, we still have staff, overheads, full kegs even that we've paid for. We don't know an opening date. Schools are open, people are going back to fucking work, but we can't have a point. You can go to the restaurant or whatever. But if you go back to the start of all this. What was the kind of initial feeling within the first couple of weeks? Were you just kind of sitting back, biting your lip, going, "It's we'll see it through. We'll be fine. It's a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's a bit of a kick, but did you have any bit of a foresight whatsoever? Was the government reaching out to the fitness association? Were even onto entertainment companies like yourself that were kind of going, "This is what's going that's, on that's here." A, that's a good question, and Great I wish question, someone, yeah. I wish someone would ask me that on the radio openly, so I could. Now, I'm no, we, only we got Joe Duffy on next week. And we'll tell him. <laughs> well, I'm only speaking well, well, for myself. Well, we're here now. We're here now, lads. Come on, one at a time. But I'm only speaking for myself when I say this yeah. is my own opinion. But I'm not a fan of the organisations, the VFI or the LVA. And the LVA uh, group represent the Dublin publicans. And the VFI is everyone outside of Dublin. But they are very much aligned. And 
I've I've always been very outspoken on social media because I think there needs to be a complete shake up and a change within those two organisations, which in most organisations need a change up. The old guard seems to sure. be still be a fight. Sure. Like you know as well as I do, who who who's going to be the president and vice president every year? It's going to be the guys like the Chalks and yeah. Fitzgeralds. It's just non-stop. The guys who have the big pubs around. For sure, yeah. yeah. And I've actually been blocked off both those pages because I have said this. Now, I haven't been nasty. I've just said, you guys, like I think it was in about June where I kind of went, you guys have done nothing for bars, nightclubs. Yeah. At least Adrian Cummins from the Restaurant Association is on the news every day or he's on the radio or he's in the newspaper. Trying to keep you in the loop. Keeping and pushing and being transparent. And I think one of the things for me in all aspects, as much as I can be, is transparent, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I just I, I I think it was handled badly, but that brings me on to a point where I don't know maybe it's my own politics. I'm not I don't really have a party or anything like that, but I just think that leadership is a serious problem in this country, whether it be the the vintners or whether it be the government or whether it be any aspect. Do you remember when Phil Hogan brought in the water charges? Mm-hmm. He yes. fucked off to Europe oh, oh, and I left do. this and left this left it just hanging there. Just left and the then if you remember someone else to take care of, yeah, exactly. But yeah. then, but then, if you look at the way the the children's hospital has been handled, it just yeah. keeps getting pawned off and pawned off to someone yeah. else, and the boys keep asking for more money and more money, or even just everything. Like, look, look at the way Stephen Donnelly has jumped about six different parties. Who is our health minister at the moment? That guy's been party hopping. Like that guy's a sociopath. You know what I mean? Like very, he very, care very about true. anything. Very, very, and true. no one trusts him. This country doesn't trust him. And I think I don't know. Like maybe one of these. Sorry, I, I would just say what what Emma's saying there is career politicians. That's that's really what what needs to be changed. Power, man. Sorry, Finchy, go ahead there, Finchy. Yeah, just, no, just, just on, Yeah, no, you're fine. It's it's uh, it's kind of akin to that because um, I was going to ask you. I wouldn't know too much about the fitness association. Right, I don't do social media anymore. I don't do Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. TikTok, uh, and he, and he looks better than ever. I mean, he looks better now than he did only all hams old photos. Yeah. I mean, he looks yeah. that's exactly it, man. Like. You know what I mean? I'm making my money now on OnlyFans, so uh, <laughs> only hams. <laughs> but what's happening is, is that because I don't know what the fuck is going on, I hear dribs and drabs. It's it, I'm I'm like your ma. That's not on Facebook anymore. Do you know what I mean? But you, you tell her she might see the six one news and go, oh Jesus, that's what's going on. But the Vintners Association and the, the was it the LVA? That's a great analogy, LVA. actually. The LVA, which sounds very paramilitary, I just want to put it out there. Yeah. Right? Uh, but the LVA the Association, mostly American here. They're going to be like, "What's that? Is that the IRS?" Sorry, guys. <laughs> are the troubles but, still ongoing? Yeah, in in Dublin, oh, man, y'all y'all still having trouble with Belfast or something like that? <laughs> hey, so, Joe Biden's going to fix that, though. He's from Mayo. He is, isn't he? He's Ballinard. He is. He is. Yeah. So, I uh, just want to point this out. Where uh, Emmett's from, actually, uh, JFK, is that's his heritage. Right beside me, literally. Right beside this me. is actually a really cool little story, actually. The J- JFK has been down there. Um, who else? Obama. Strangely enough, Obama. Yeah. He has a from everywhere heritage. in Ireland, and yet um, nowhere at the same time. <laughs> but he's got his own fucker. I don't know if the Americans know this, right? But for any of the Americans that are listening, now, the Irish yeah. know this. There is a fucking large-scale supermarket named after Obama here. It's, it, it's like a, a gas station forecourt called, um, was it Obama Plaza? 
Or is it Barrack Plaza? Obama Plaza? Sorry, just stop in either. Does Finchie have shares in this or something? You know what? I was actually, I was going to chime in there. Say, in there. I was going to say, they call it Obamacare, but it really works here. Because they really if I didn't stop Finchie, they there. look after you here. If I didn't stop Finchie, he was going to go, and don't forget to get your rolls in the morning and your yeah, in the coupons, coupons available. Americans, next week 20% discount. The Daily Local Northside Press. <laughs> Um, sorry, Finchy, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, so the Fitness Association. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was. <laughs> so, would you kind of akin the, the, this is more for the Irish crowd, but the Fitness Association and the, the LVA, would they be like, I suppose, uh, SIP to the teachers' unions where they seem to control, they're like puppet masters as to what's going on? They're the, the middleman between the people on the ground and the government. Mm. Or is that what they're trying to be? But essentially, that's not their place. Okay, so Good question. what what this whole so we're what nine months into since we closed down in March? Jesus yep. Christ! Yeah, yeah, and, it's crazy. Um, I think yeah. The LVA and BFI, any of the pro or any of the guidelines or any of the things that they put to government to put through, didn't go through. So, your American listeners will know about lobbyists. And sure. the LBA and VFI both have lobbyists within our government. Sure. But they should all be fucking fired. Yeah. Yeah. Because they didn't get one of their acts true. Sure. Or they didn't get any of the things. Like I was, where was I today? Uh, I was out in Mead in Ashburn. And uh, I had good reason to be there. So just, I know we're in 5K limit here. <laughs> and Garda Shia has entered chat. <laughs> <laughs> but in some of the windows, right, what, I know I noticed, what I noticed in some of the windows where uh, government has let us down, hashtag VFI. Well, that's fucking great, isn't it? Yeah. That's going to pay for all the staff and the rent and the electricity and the BR gas. And I see these around, yeah. There's one, there's one here in my local town. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, I don't agree with everyone getting together and marching. I don't believe in that. I think lobbyists are a great way because I tell you one thing, Adrian Cummins will definitely be going far after this. The way he's handled the Restaurants yeah. Association has been yeah. incredible. I was only and reading you, up on that today, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And, and you know what's mad? I was sitting in, um, I was sitting in a city centre uh, cafe during, before we went into this level five. And I watched Adrian Cummins, I just pure chance now, because I think he's Dublin-based. He came out of yeah. one cafe and went into another one and then went into a restaurant across the road. And he was genuinely, you could see what he was doing. He was going, I realise, is everything okay? When would you ever see someone from the VFI or the LVA do that? General, general concern. That's a legitimate That's concern. Good know? business, good management, you know? Yeah. Do, you think, um, do you think the likes of these organizations need uh, somebody from... Now, I, I don't mean I disrespect when I say this, but somebody on a lower level to be a point of contact for the likes of staff. It's grand for the Fitness Association to be in a contact with, with members, which would be bar owners, Right. But bar owners essentially would be management of their staff. But what about the staff? Because the bars will essentially try and look after the, like, especially in Ireland now with the way recessions are going up and down these days, bars are dropping like flies. Bars for sale, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, they're not doing anything for that either. So, but the, what I'm, the point I'm getting to is that during this pandemic, staff were considered, right? So you're right, you're talking about staff, as in bar staff, restaurant staff, mm-hmm. uh, not so much bar owners. Yeah, there was a few things about it on the TV, but yeah, I get you. the one people that were forgotten about, 
the it's war the horse, for, the engine. The forgotten people about yes. the bars, right, is yeah. actually, in my book, the musicians, the entertainment. That section was never mentioned once. Yeah, exactly. Yes, the promoters that anything that, that was brought up in yeah, exactly. any newspaper, any article, any domain that you could think of, there wasn't a single conversation that Boom. was brought up at the time about people who were like Emmett, who run events, who yeah. make their career and their finances and pay their bills and feed their children with the likes of doing this. Yeah. Um, musicians, guys who are doing literally seven nights a week in a rotation of bars playing music wedding bands for example guys that play weddings guys that play you know events and stuff like that 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 is their living yeah 100 percent. they are shut down completely and there's been a, not a single blade of conversation about that Nothing. who's who's representing them because so the i can be represented by the vfi but what about the the entertainers so one of the things that started doing the rounds early in about april or may because it was I spoke to a couple of um, nightclub managers. Just for, I'll go section by section of what you talked about: your trad singer, your wedding singer, your DJs, nightclub promoters. So Just when I spoke to, too, by the way, doorman and, and security. Yeah. Um, the Except one the thing about don't let you in though. Fuck them. <laughs> the one thing about bouncers and security: a lot of those companies, moonshine, uh, not moonshine, moonlight. Sorry, moonshine, moonlight. Yeah. Uh, other other jobs where they do security for shopping centers and industrial estates and stuff like that. So a lot of those guys were okay. Now the hours were cut dramatically because a lot of those guys pay their mortgages on the nightlife stuff during the day just gets them through the week. But when I spoke to a couple of nightclub managers, so here's a bit of a, not many people know this, but there is a secret consortium of nightclub owners in Dublin that have met every week since lockdown. And there is guys that you will never have heard of that own some of the biggest late bars in Dublin. And they have met once a week. And those guys couldn't even do anything. And these guys yeah. probably have a combined network of a billion between them. And if those guys can't act anything... Now, I know the LBA and the VFI chiefs go in and they sit down and they do what they're told at these meetings. You yeah. know what I mean? Like The likes of who they're talking. Of course, they meet in Copperface Jacks. There's one word I'll give you. Because yeah. Cottle Jackson is probably the greatest nightclub manager of all time because he's had the, one of the highest grossing nightclubs in Europe. Plenty yep. of American listeners right now that know exactly what place you're talking about. I was um, there. And what like, so that's kind of, they couldn't do anything. So mm. the likes of DJs and photographers and nightclubs, they were completely shut out. If it wasn't for the, the, the only good thing that happened throughout this pandemic was the government enacting the PUP payment. If that wasn't in place, so many of us wouldn't have yeah. been able to afford rent. We would Absolutely. have been kicked out on our arse. I'd be back in with my mom in Wexford with my wife. You know what I mean? And like, Are musicians getting that too? Like lads who... But musicians are getting PUP as well. So here's the thing. You had to pay a certain amount of tax and have a certain amount of tax credits to get... Yeah. The last two years or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was done on your income of 2018. 18, it was indeed, yeah, yeah. Because we all only paid our tax returns in September for 2019. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. we're all self-employed. So they couldn't take 2019 because they weren't in yet. So a lot of guys may, may have kind of just taken a lot of cash jobs, you know? Yeah. And that, that kind of now went against them because they would have got 203 euro instead of 350. And I know yeah. friends of mine that could not live on 203 euro. Let's put that out there, right? The 350 that people were getting that were paying the tax, 
yeah. you could technically say that because these lads were paying a little bit more tax, and let's just say the lads who were putting the cash in their pocket that were just starting off maybe or get the odd gig maybe two nights a week or whatever, but the seven-day weekers, right, the lads have been doing it for a decade that have been paying the tax, 350 quid is not even one night's work. Yeah, true. Well, true. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Double. I'm not going to kind of disclose what I was doing, you know, previous job. Obviously, you guys know what I was doing, but only fans. <laughs> only fans. Oh, we yeah. went in different directions there, <laughs> yeah, No, but, but just, just as an example, okay, my industry was shut down completely because it's in the tourism sector. And Drug dealer. A lot of it was, yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, I played the fifth. I played the fifth. He is wearing uh, an Amsterdam T-shirt right now, folks. You can't see it, but he's wearing an Amsterdam T-shirt. I am. <laughs> the roles have been reversed. I've got my twin brother down below me there, Finchie. I don't know whether I'm you're below me or whatever. <laughs> but um, no, I earned like pretty like in 2019 um, with commission and stuff like that. You know, and and all the bonuses that come with it. I earned quite a substantial amount of money that I had earned in previous years. 40%, this is how our government works, 40% of it was taxed. 40% of that went to the government, which is crazy, isn't it? Imagine crazy. having like, you know, a big bowl of ice cream, you know what I mean? Well, well give me half. You're like, well, no, I, I, I want it for me. Just take a little bit. Like, so... <laughs> It's 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 kind of. If life was only that easy, man, we'd all. I know, be I know, yeah. it's crazy. But look, but that's what I'm saying. There's people like me in not just in my sector. I'm saying in every different sector that are in that position that know the situation. They know that they pay their taxes. They do their their due due diligence, um, and kind of get on with their life and contribute to society. So, like you said, uh, there, Finchie, you know, three fifty, even though. To a lot of people who are probably, um, I suppose, career uh, doll monkeys, let's say, you know, they're like, yeah, well, you know, it's not the same thing. Like these people have lost their livelihood based on something that is out of their control. These sectors, and I'm using mine just as an example to relate to what you're saying with Emmett, because Emmett's in the same boat. Um, our livelihood was taken away, but especially for the likes of Emmett's sector because they are in the entertainment sector. It's a very, very specialized. It's, it's um, people orientated. It, without people, there's no way for it to work. You absolutely. can say online streaming. You can do all the, the, the like Emmett, we talked about this before. about possible tour and, Tourism is always going to be there, right? Tourism is always going to be there. Whereas entertainment, you really have to be good at what you do to keep that business going. You know what I mean? Yeah, I but I mean, it's, 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 both of them are kind of people orientated, but the problem is, is that, like, entertainment, I'm talking, I'm talking about Joey Guitar here. I'm talking about a dude who goes to a bar, sits in the corner, gets paid to play for two, two and a half hours, sometimes longer sets, right? Sure. That's, that's grand. Um, they're the guys that, that live gig to gig, right? Some of them are nowhere near 350 gigs. Some lads be lucky to get 150 quid in a country pub. But that's extra money. He's the builder during the week. Some lads get builder, 50 so. euro on pints. Or, or even money sometimes, you know what I mean? I remember yeah, when I was doing comedy, man. I, we used yeah, to get paid yeah. in pints. In some yeah. cases, we get paid in pints. We get paid our travel fare when we were starting off and you know, new clubs and stuff like that. So I know what it's like for what yeah. they've been through. But the problem here is that because they're such a non-connected group, no, you did there's nobody ask to me represent that. them. There was. Uh, I was, I was going to get to that. So there's a couple of uh, organizations out there but I have a couple of theories on it. So there's the Event Industry Association Ireland, 
which uh, is run by your former boss, I think, Finchie, uh, Elaine, from Ooh. Magnum Events. Oh. <laughs> and there is yeah, also, there is also Epic. Epic is another organization. Yeah. But the, I'm part of both those groups, and I'm also part of a group that's publicans, bar owners, managers. And the one thing that was kind of very similar within both groups is, well, in the Epic and the Event Industry Association, now I'm not singling out anyone who runs yeah, these organizations yeah. or anything, but it was, it was false hope all the time. It was for the last time, and still is. This is what I was going to say. And, and the problem voice. is, they're going, oh, we're getting this letter drafted for government. Uh, please give us your opinion. And there is girls and guys putting up comments going, it's not so much the money I miss. It's the, I have nothing to look forward to in my life anymore if I can't sure. have a gig on a Friday. I have nothing, my, my self-worth. Yeah. So mental health was a massive issue within that industry because especially, like, yeah. not myself, but a lot of people would gig on a Friday, Saturday, but Sunday to Thursday is a very lonely place. Very much so. Very, very lonely. So. You know what I mean? So. And, um, but they would have had their routine for the last couple of years or the last decade or however long they've been gigging in a pub. But they would know that come Friday, Saturday, they're going to go in, they're going to have the crack, they're going to get a nice chunk of change and it's going to pay their way till next Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I, mean, yeah like, it well, was. I, I remember. I can actually verify that. I remember, like 2013, 2014, um, one of the bands I was in, um, we were gigging hard. I mean, like we were pretty much playing every single week. And what you said there is 100% spot on, there, Emma. Mm. Like Thursday is a lonely place unless it's student night in in like mm. a really cool club. But your Fridays and Saturdays were were your bread and butter. That's well, like, I'll be honest, when we closed the club nights down completely across the board on that Thursday, because we had Paddy's Eve and Paddy's Day, which is, yeah. Jesus Christ, it's after New Year's Eve, it's the single biggest night and day for us in the bar industry in Ireland. Yeah. And so, like, I was like, okay, this is grand for the next two or three weeks. Like, I've been, I've been working for the last 16, 18 years, you know? So, I was like, it's grand, this couple of weeks off now. So, I was first couple of days i was getting pissed man like I, every it was like a, it was like this is great so that and was, was that's like, your answer to finchie's question originally yeah like you thought oh for the first two weeks man i was drinking cans every night dying of a hangover yeah. fucking it's half 11 in the morning <laughs> crack okay, another can have another one yeah. keep our lit yeah. but then after the two weeks the novelty grew kind of wore off very it much. became it work was, it was yeah. kind of, it did, I had to wake up, take a yeah. shower and get on the beer. Jesus, <laughs> lads, you have my heart broke. Uh, have you ever had a can in the shower on a work day? I'm best friends with the local lad in my local carry out off license. <laughs> There's the answer to Mohammed. that. Mohammed. <laughs> like, Hello, Mr. Emmett. And I'm like, how are you, Mohammed? Another yeah. slab of Heineken. Good lad. Six, six of your cheapest. <laughs> six of your cheapest. No, that was week three. <laughs> I think Finchie, like, do you have any of those? Do you have any of those dented cans? If you're drinking, uh, if you're drinking cans in the uh, in the shower, Finchie, you're doing something wrong. It's got to be in a bath. You only have a can in a bath. Out of a bag. 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, we we played. I tell here. you one thing, right? If your if your life has ever gone to the stage, and this goes to everybody listening, if your life has ever gone to the stage, that you're in a, a lukewarm bath with no bubbles, and the light is flickering, and you're drinking wine from a plastic bag, you need to talk to somebody. Something has gone wrong, and it's not going to. Unless you really wanted it to go that way, and you intended to go. You know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to drink fucking wine out of a bag in a lukewarm bath. And yeah, by all means, have at it. Um, what Finchy no. failed to mention is you can buy beer out of a bag at Obama Plaza. <laughs> Shop <laughs> Obama Plaza you know for all your bag beer shopping needs. I think, I think on that <laughs> note, it's a perfect, that is a perfect place for us to take our first break, lads. That is... <laughs> <laughs> well, you already show, have your ads, so. <laughs> This show today is sponsored by Obamacare down in the middle of wherever Finchy has it. I don't know. I'll find out for you in the second half. Yeah, in the second half, we're going to find out where Obamacare really is. And we're going to talk about non-alcoholic Guinness. That's coming up. Jeez, oh, no, that doesn't exist, does it? That is a good... That is a good. And it got recalled. All this to is be why mentioned. I stay off the internet, dude. I don't That's, want to be depressed. This is, this is going to be a bomb. Bombshell tonight! <laughs> Welcome back to Dynamo's Dozen with me, your host, Cena Dynamo Kelly. Still here with Mr. Finchie and Mr. Emmett Cleary as well. Um, before the break, Emmett did mention a couple of uh, caveats that we were going to have and some surprises that we were going to mention about non-alcoholic Guinness. But I don't know whether we want to give it away this early, unless you guys have any... Uh... Yeah, you I, I, I just want to get something out of the way first, right? Yeah, because it's it. bothering me. Just before the end of that break... I um, thought you, this day had never come. Yeah, you didn't believe me that Barack Obama Plaza exists. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to... It does me? exist. Um, Emmett, I know, I, I don't know if you've again. been there or not, but uh, there's, a, there's a bronze statue of Barack and Michelle Obama by, by <laughs> sculptor Mark Rhodes. Um, he, yeah, it's down. It's, this lad um, has shares in this plaza, I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you, man. It's he in the center the of the country. Uh, for sure. I, I definitely got a brown envelope for sure. Um, Pat McDonough no, is actually sitting behind. And any of you that don't know, Pat McDonough is the owner of a Barack Obama Plaza. Barack Plaza. Pat McDonough is the chipper king of Ireland, Supermax. And it's Pat and Una McDonough, excuse you, Ooh. according to the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Someone who's a shareholder in the Obama Plaza would probably know that. This yeah. is uh, this is 2020. You have to include the wife nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100. Sorry for all you little feminists. She holds there, the money. It's true. I'm 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 doing you as a solid here. I'm just saying, y'all y'all need to get what's yours. You know what I mean? It has 26 it. petrol pumps across two forecourts. Anyway, sorry, Guinness that go. doesn't have any alcohol in it. Go for it. You are in and out and gone. <laughs> Belly like full of food. Station. Car full out. of beer. Done. <laughs> so gone. it is. It is legitimate. Like I mean, when Obama was. You know, doing those, and by the way, probably the most, Jesus, he's on a par with like JFK as the most charismatic president of all time. He is. But, uh, For Ireland. But Jesus H. Christ, when, when Barack Obama speaks about Obamacare and people are over in America going, where the fuck is it? It's here in Ireland. <laughs> to be any more yeah. Irish, Joe it's Biden want to be doing, it's Joe Biden want to be drinking fat bars and coppers. Oh, listen, <laughs> Obamacare, he literally came over to Offaly and just went, no, this is what Obamacare is. I'm going to put a 50... I wonder, will, be the, will there be, um, uh, like, a, you know, Biden, bizarre, 
uh, petrol station when he comes over to Bath. Well, he's going to do something for Mayo. Boyden is definitely getting something for Mayo here. I don't know what I've been saving be. up all me pup to buy the local garage in Camp Hoyle. Well, he's already, he's already said that he's going to call it. stick a big Boyden thing over it. Well, he's already said he's going to call it Boyden Care anyway. That's legit. He said that. So, Did he? Well, I was thinking yeah, for my petrol yeah. station, I was going to call it Boyden Pumps. Well, yeah, so Boyden Care and Boyden Pumps. Actually, Boyden Care could be that, like a proper petrol And I'm going to replace the, the, the D and the P on diesel and petrol and call it <laughs> Beasel. Beasel and petrol. <laughs> Uh, tw- uh, 25 euros worth of petrol, please. Good lad. Oh, yeah. it's, uh, don't worry, Mr. Boyden's paying for it. It's all good. <laughs> Finchy Old word with a, Joe. Finchy outside with a placard to Obama Plaza, still flogging that dead horse. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Duffy's terrified that does Never mind doing it. What about, more what about than him. <laughs> I, oh, so I, I, You mentioned about Guinness there, Ian. Yeah, on. you be well. That's so, because you mentioned before we went off air, and that it, it's it's something that has actually, you know, actually explain. I'll let you explain it. Nobody better. Than yeah, you give us a quick brief of this so, shit. Because as so, everyone knows, Guinness is probably the most famous point on the planet. Okay, a point of the black yeah. stuff, whatever you want to call it. Um, but Guinness decided Guinness. to bring out a non-alcoholic <laughs> version of the black stuff, right? For a second time. For a second time, and it failed. What so, the first point of the white stuff? Do you remember that? Oh God! I think that was fake. Oh no, it was legit. It was there was signs up everywhere, man. It was in uh, in the late nineties. They actually had really, the, uh, yeah, for sure. It was. Uh, I'll show the, you. Oh, just just on that point, going off topic for a second. On there's point. one guy <laughs> I want to fight, and <laughs> he's called Joe, Joe Biden. He's the Guinness guru. He's some fucking idiot on YouTube. I've seen this dude. This guy is about twenty years of age. Is he mixing like orange be, juice in it and this shit? This guy used to be a rapper, an Irish rapper, but oh. like a terrible one. There's a couple Let's of good ones nowadays. Let's call him out. But on the he's show. terrible. But What's like, his name? Is call him out. Is he? Call him like, out. Like I, I keep having this vivid imagery in my head of walking down through Temple Bar and seeing him outside. He models himself off Dave, uh, Dave Portnoy from Barstool when he does sure. the pizza reviews. Yeah. So he's like, I remember one day he was outside a uh, pub and Temple Bar and there was a woman literally trying to get past. He's like, oh, fans, come on, true love, sorry, no photos. Oh, and he was being genuine. And I was like, that's mad cringy because What's this lad's an absolute fucking wheelie bin. And for anyone that doesn't know what a wheelie bin is, it's a thing that we put our crap and recyclables into. So what does he's he review? I need to find this guy's name. What does he review? And he smells like bin juice. Oh, God. So anyway, this guy is called the Guinness Guru. I don't want to give him a plug. He's on YouTube. But this guy is so young. He has nothing. He has has no credibility. Guinness for two years. He has no credibility. He couldn't tell the difference between a can of Guinness and a draft pint of Guinness in one of his YouTube videos lately during lockdown. And I was like, this guy has 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. And I'm like, but they seem to be all like international. And it's just... Because it's got the word Guinness I, in his name. Going back to my vivid imagery, walking through Temple we got to find him. And we're gonna, when we find a young fucking upstart, Bring me on. he's going to kick the bollocks out of you and Finchie's going to put you in a wheelie bin. Because Ian will go to... I hate Guinness, but I'd still know the difference between a draft and a fucking can. No, That's Ian, right. you'll say to him, oh, this is pre-recorded. And he'll go, what? And I'm just there digging the head off him live on film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Digital punch. Digital, Digital punch. No, no, I'm, I'm in his house. Digging the head off. 
<laughs> and if he gets the better of you, don't worry, I'll be in a taxi. No, <laughs> sure, if he batters me, at least I got a dig in. Yeah, exactly. Happy days. Well, oh, anyway, funny. getting back, sorry to get off topic there. <laughs> I just hate Talk about assault I hate, charges. I hate, I hate well, I, I hate him now, but I hate him because of your passion for him. Fucking like, challenge me. No problem. Gil. What does he do? So he, it, he goes he around tasting pints of Guinness. He's about he's barely out of nappies, this lad. Um, <laughs> he goes around giving it the big one. Like we have friends. We have he's not even old friends. enough to drink in the States, like right? Paddy so any Dorn, American listeners, right? Any American drank. listeners listening, that's that's the level you're at. You're on somebody who if he flew to the States, he doesn't even have he's not legally the ID drink. to drink over there. And he's comparing good Guinness and bad Guinness over here to Irish people. But what I, really, what, I really, what I really hate about him, lads, is he models himself on Dave Portnoy. He doesn't have his own thing. He does. Oh, yeah. someone will go, that's a 5.0. And he goes, oh, rookie score, it's a 5.4. Like, What's his name? Is his name Lincoln Riddle? Yeah, it's a weird name. Like, Lincoln Riddle? Lincoln Riddle? I thought it, no, it's a wheelie bin, no? Yeah, that's him. Is oh, that my him? God. All right. So. No, at Guinness Guru, the Guinness Guru. The Guinness guru on, on but he on, keeps. Uh... I have a great story for you. So he's done most of the pubs in Dublin, and there was one pub that's a friend of ours, and he kicked him out. He goes, "Quite your fucking idiot! <laughs> Don't want anything to do with your channel or anything to do with you." And he was like, "Oh, uh, Digsy, I just got kicked out of that pub there. Uh, they know." And he keeps going. He knows the gurus in town. Oh, they must know I'm here. They give me the point for free trying to butter me up. All this day, Portnoy bullshit, and I'm like. You're no, a fucking wheelie bin. You, you paid six quid for the point like everybody You're else. Wheelie bin. Bar, you lion prick. That's my new one. You're a fucking wheelie bin. <laughs> I like that. Is this the guy? Juice. Show the me. Guy? He's a big, tall, lanky, streaky piss. No. Yeah, that's him. That's Listen him. to him. He, he him, looks like a rugby player. Well, obviously, I can't do that for, obviously, for legal reasons. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. You. But, uh, yeah. So this guy looks like um, an absolute jabroni. I'd like to know his real name. Um, he plays... Okay, so here's another one, Ian, right? He plays the tin... He plays whiskey in the jar Tin Lizzy song to the intro of every song. And he, what's that pub in Temple Bar? The kind of a rock pub, kind of ska oh, pub Oh, well. the Foggy Dew. One of my So favorite. he went into the one Foggy Dew was one of his first pubs and he was like, oh, load of smelly rockers in here. I was like... You literally oh. have Tin Lizzy at the Did start of every that? song. All right, well, like, I want to fight this, them this with a fucker now. This <laughs> this is this is guru, if you want to come out and fight me and Emmett, um, whichever one you Benji, want to... do you want in on this? I don't fight people. I end them. Listen, get him onto the podcast. <laughs> ah, yes. Let's have a conversation with him, and let's actually call him out on this. I came I in on this podcast. Let's, let's have, because violence doesn't really solve that, but I'll tell you what does uh, solve things. Intelligent conversation. I would like to bring this young man on. Bring yes. him on. Uh, educate him for sure. And he yes. will come on because he's a wheelie bin. Yeah, well, we can just wheel him into the studio. But I mean, yeah, because he does. And the pops up, pow, right in the kisser. <laughs> Bin juice this, everywhere. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have to watch this, uh, this guy now. I mean, he looks like a jabroni now because you put so much passion in. But you know what's it. terrible? You're going to give him a view. Every, you know what I mean? And that's what I hate. Probably, look, he is Ian, if you man. want to watch one, watch his latest man. one in the Guinness Brewery, where he goes, I've been invited here today, and nobody knows him. Everyone ignores him. There's <laughs> Americans going around going, why is that lad filming in here? You know, and he goes, oh, they're buttering me up with a free beer. I was in the so Guinness cheesy. factory. Everyone gets the free beer yeah, along with your the tour. <laughs> it's part of the tour. And it's like, oh, this lad is ridiculous. For a, for a young man, I tell you, his, his hair is fastly gone. He'd probably no, but drink more Here's the question that I want to pose to him. What gives you the justification to call yourself the Guinness guru? That's it. 
Right. While you're on that subject, let me get you the definition of the term guru. Okay, please. And let's see Ian, if we can relate it to your what job. He... My job is to get the beers for the new podcast. Your job, Ian, is to contact this guy and go, there's two him. lads that want to talk right. to you. I'll get Not so in a threatening way. Emmett, is no, this no. guy, right, by definition of guru, is this guy A, a teacher and an especially intellectual guide in matters of fundamental concern? Nine. Right. Is he B, one whom is acknowledged leader or a chief proponent? Neil. Or C, a person with knowledge or expertise? Yes. We leave in. <laughs> there you go. That is Guru according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. I don't think he's any of those. I haven't even seen his videos. I did see one of his TikToks. It was sent into one of the group chats we're in. I was like, this absolute langball needs to have a conversation with himself. This his life... is now selling merch, Finchie. He he's selling to, merch he with the Guru and all. And listen, oh, if he wants God. to... Is that not trademark? Listen, you can probably taste piss and vinegar better than you can taste a pint, pint of Guinness by the sound of it. So. So, is Guinness not trademarked? Um, Guinness is trademarked, but we are Irish. We're allowed. We're allowed. Uh, we're allowed. No, I mean, we're, no, we're fine. I'm on about this dude selling T-shirts with the name. No, it Guinness. Says Guinness oh, Guru. sorry. Okay, I get you. I get you. I've got one that's going to blow your mind and probably every one of your listeners' mind. And I, I, po- I posted this on LinkedIn there Fake a while ago. Guinness, is that right? So I was watching CNN the night of the 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 election thing, and they had an ad, and it was a brilliant marketing by Diageo because everyone's glued to CNN that night. Trump 2020, was it? Did you know that Guinness, the company Diageo, have the copyright on Harp? What? Really? They have the copyright on the Harp. And here's one. When the government, the Irish government, wanted to use the Harp as their logo, they couldn't. So if you ever notice, the Irish government Harp is back to front. That's, that's horse bollocks. Google it. Oh. Just because Google tells me. Hold on a second. The Google Irish it. Jack... Is, hold on. The hold Irish on harp now. is owned no, no. by Guinness. Hold you on. You have to turn it the other way to legally use it. Hold on. The Irish Jack, right, which is the Irish maritime flag, is a green flag with a harp in it. It is the flag was out before the tricolor that we know now. Which is also before Guinness. The Irish Jack was used well before the Irish tricolor was brought over here. That's a fact. That is a fact. I, I see phones. Uh, listeners are not, not seeing this. Ian has gone off in disgust. Uh, you ready? On his you ready? Phone here. <laughs> Go the harp it. device that has been synonymous with Guinness since 1862 when it was used as a symbol on the first bottle label for Guinness. It is now a registered as a Guinness company trademark since 1876. It is because of the harp trademark that the Guinness company named its first lager harp in 1960. Right. And... Well, you see now with the Irish government, I'm going to give you the facts on that. Backwards. This was on CNN from, as a Diageo ad. Uh, do me a favour. As you're looking at the harp, is the harp straight bit to the right or the left? So the Guinness harp is this way, to the well, left. This... To the left. So where's like where's the roundy bit? To the left, left or right? It's on the right, on your right hand. Okay, so. Can I read you? Can I read you the actual? Yeah, facts? go ahead. This is interesting. Okay. Yeah, go You're for being it. a bit of a wheelie bin yourself. <laughs> I'm giving you facts. Go for it. As Guinness had trademarked the harp symbol in 1876, the Irish Free State Government of 1922 had to turn the official government harp the other way around, so it is it could be differentiated from the trademark Guinness harp. The other two elements are Guinness and Arthur Guinness's famous signature. 
Right. So my only my only argument here is well, it's not an argument. It's just fact that the Irish government had to change the harp the other way because they couldn't do it the normal way with the the rolling arch on the right. Right. So I disagree with that, and I'll tell you How why. How do you disagree with fact? I'll tell you because I'll, I'll give you patent fact, right? I'll give because you wheelie bin. I'll give you wheelie bin juice right here as you see it. Uh, <laughs> the green harp flag Rude. of the 17th century confederacy of ireland and it was a, an official flag of ireland during the 18th and 19th century okay that is the green flag with the harp on it now it's the other way around to guinness you're wrong not only that before that again in 1542 the kingdom of ireland up until 1801 had the blue flag with the harp on it that's a fact. That's what? That's 200 years, 200 odd years before Guinness. Did you? <laughs> I have a harp here somewhere in the studio. I had there and I was like, I need to find out if this is true. So. It is this true. Is something, this I is have something a Guinness we need to discuss. Right here. Uh, yeah. But yeah. It, that's the opposite way around to the way the flags are. Oh my God. Look, it's fact. It's fact <laughs> that the Irish government, all my argument is here is that the Irish government had to flip the harp the other way because Guinness owned the patent on the other way. Yeah, because That's there how, is no patent but I'm just on the original way. how powerful <laughs> the Agio are. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. If they're making Guinness that has no alcohol in it, they must not give a oh, shit. Oh, yeah, so here's the thing. So Guinness brought out non-alcoholic beer about two weeks ago, and it's already been oh, recalled because the black and tans are after getting the shits. So it's being recalled worldwide, non-alcoholic Guinness. kidding me? Yeah, so there was t- traces of salmonella in the non-alcoholic Guinness. What? But this leads me to my point. As an advocate, al- not an alcoholic, but as an advocate drinker. Alcoholics go to meetings, you're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This podcast took a nasty turn when you fucked off, Ian. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, Gene Simmons legitimately tried to uh, trademark the dollar sign because nobody had ever trademarked it before. That's legitimately cool. made an attempt to, to trademark the dollar sign. Hang on. I'm going to try and look up. Does anyone own the host domain name for Wheelie Bin? Wheelie Bin study is actually there. Is um, it? Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I particularly, well, there was a company I was talking with last year, but that's... Uh, Here's one. We're getting off topic here. Hold on. Yeah. We're getting off we topic. Getting, getting back on topic. Yeah, I own the mind. domain name promoter.ie. No one had ever bought it. Uh, promoter.com is where you're going to make your money. Yeah, but I own <laughs> .ie. I know, yeah. No, but look, uh, domains is a whole different... I could have a conversation about that all day long. That's the same thing I do during the day. So but here, I'm trying so to... No, hold on. I am trying here. to get, get back, back to, to the kids. Fake Guinness. Yeah, let's I'm get trying to stay on the fake Guinness here, right? Okay. What, what I know there was a whole thing over the last three to five years, and you know this, uh, mm-hmm. Emmett, being in, uh, in, in, I suppose, in the drinking game, but, like... There was a lot of non-alcoholic. Yeah, that sounds wrong, but you know what I mean. You're in the drinking game, brother. You mean the hospitality industry, Finchie? The hospitality industry, as they say on the books. Very good. Yeah. Name for alcoholics uh, now, okay? Right, even promoters. You know, that reminds me of that South Park episode where Randy tries to justify his alcoholism all the time. Yeah. Where he's yeah. like, Sharon, it's called a tasting. It's classy. <laughs> and he just keeps pulling all these wines down him with shots. It's called tasting. It's called a t- tasting. It's French. It's classy. Well, we must do a lot of fucking tasting, uh, if that's the case. But my question is this. Um, non-alcoholic beers over the last three years have just come out of the woodwork. Every single brand that you can think of 
has becomes Heineken and spirits. Budweiser, spir- spirits. Uh, like the, I mean, yeah. non-alcoholic vodka is water, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. But if you if you have Guinness, one of the most, as you said, pronounced alcoholic beverages in the world, why would they come out with a non-alcoholic one? I don't see the benefit, whether it be financially or whatever, because you're. It's just one of them drinks. It's not like a normal drink. It's above normal. Too much money syndrome, possibly, that they need to try something new. Just try. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand. You you could never advertise Guinness for the next fifty years, and they will still make their money. Yeah. True. True. But I I never understood the non-alcoholic thing. If if you're not going to drink, have a coke. It's like going into a brothel and and, and getting a hug. It it doesn't make sense. It it's not what, what you're I really there. don't understand <laughs> is I get the Guinness thing maybe into maybe ten percent where you're in your local pub and you're the designated driver and you can feel like one of the lads because believe it or not there is a psychological thing is, of yeah. having a pint of non-alcoholic beer or Guinness like I've done it in the nightclubs myself where like I've had non-alcoholic bottles of Heineken yeah. all night but in my head I'm like oh this is awesome but I can still drive home. Mm. So it's kind of, but what I don't understand it's like when you're an eight year old and you're drinking non alcoholic gin, non alcoholic whiskey, all these. What's yeah. the point? You'll just get the shite. Yeah, I was over in uh, Amsterdam and I, I, I decided we, we it was back about two years ago, maybe a year ago. We we're over in Amsterdam and uh, it just so happened that I fell on a point where I said I was going to take about two months off alcohol, so I stuck to it. Went over to Amsterdam, I tried a lot of the non alcoholic stuff as well. Um, and we went to like this really cool nightclub and the funny thing about it is we got one of those mocktails, you know? Like, oh yeah, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, this is literally just like a Ribena. Just like your breakfast like, fruit juice, man. Yeah, like it was like, what is this meant to like at least as Emmett said, like the the mock beer kind of gives you the idea that you're having a point or something, you know. So that's that's talk about like, shiting in a wheelie bin, those non alcoholic cocktails. Jesus. Yeah, but the, the yeah, the mocktail gimmicks are just uh, th- that's exactly what they are gimmicks and they're like they charge you like fucking seven euro for a ribena you're like all right no i think i'll pass on that one so i don't see understand. that's why that's why you can't be going on holidays man when you have the same drink essentially maybe watered down it depends for an eighth of the fucking price yeah but you get and you'd wonder more where the hell you're your like myself and ian actually did the strip Numerous nights in a row because we bumped into each other. Show business. Mad story. Oh, we could tell you some stories. If you want to strip in your own time in your own company, that's that's your. We won't tell the famous story, Ian. That's for another day. No, that's for. But um, but like myself and Lisa have been on those trips, and even with Ian and uh, with Rachel, and some of those places, like it, it genuinely is watered down. Those Mm. alcohols. Yeah, like there was a couple of places we saw that were run by like Afghani guys, mm-hmm. and like you would get a cocktail and it doesn't even t- even though there's no alcohol in it, it just tastes weird and you're like, oh fuck yeah. this, you know? It's just pure you sugar. Just like we got we got a couple of fish balls that tasted okay. Yeah, you know there was a couple of kind of higher. You can't be places. too kind of. <laughs> snobby with fish balls to be yeah, fair we really can you of, we went to a couple of higher end places where we got a couple of gins in between yeah like, and you know you get a fish bowl and it was a little bit a bit of a smaller fish bowl but it was beauty like do you know what i mean ah yeah she's quality yeah then you have the guys coming in like i like you come into the club i want to marry your wife <laughs> you are the rachel no that's that's herself oh she is the rachel okay but i like you 
I think, uh, Emmett, when the clubs open up again, I think you need to create your own uh, branded cocktail. Call it bin juice. Make sure that it's brown. Uh, or a bin and tonic, even. Um, whatever you kind of want to go for. Bin and tonic, I think, would be a good one. As long as it's brown. Gin and ju- bin and juice. Bin and ju- sipping on bin and juice. Lay back with Give me a cocktail that we could put wheelie in. Like, if there's any listeners out there, actually, you know the way you can wheelie. buy little wheelie bins that you put your pens in on a desk. Yeah, shots. Put a bit of a fuck a bit of ice into that. Yeah. There you go. Shot glass. There you go. Two yeah, straws. There you are, board, Mary. You know. <laughs> Just like the service, you do it once a week, first thing in the morning. <laughs> Done. Uh, here, whacker. Two wheelie bins. Good lads. Say hello to Mary for me. Two wheelie bins. Yeah, and uh, that's it. Like those little pens. Okay, you know those little. Desk holders that they do in like uh, yeah right in the little wheelie bin things you Boom. get them on wish the wonder for like seventy cent I gotta be honest I love that idea I would ask for a wheelie bin if I could keep the wheelie bin yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know if what I, I bring mean? this home as for... a memento yeah. I put it this way right if you're getting them for uh, now we're going into economics here but if you're getting them for a cost of less than a euro because let's just say oh yeah you get them in euro general in the case of twenty four you buy buy them in a thousand in China right is yeah. what you do. And they have the wheelie bin, the lid is closed over, the drink is in there, they open up the wheelie bin, they take the shot, they can keep the wheelie bin if they want. It's like a plastic shot glass. That's all it is. It's China. 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 Okay. I'm definitely okay. patting okay. my wheelie bin stuff before this goes to air. What do you mean yours? I was the one that gave you the idea. Right, next. next you I'm, being I'm, you. I'm being quiet here because I'm already on the resi- registered trademark. Look at the two so boys that are Googling so they can wheelie bin China. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Patreon is sorted. We've been China. For all my Why Patreon listeners, we've got so much cool stuff coming your way. <laughs> You're going to love it. It's going to be great. I've trademarked Club Hell. It's great. It's going to be great. Oh, no. That was one of the first things I ever did. Oh, I knew that. I knew that. I own the rights to all the club night names. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the great things though about <gasps> this kind of conversation when you... I'm oh, sorry. I just oh, I just found wheelie bin found shot glasses. <laughs> Did you find some? Shut up. There's, there's three different types. You have the wheelie bin, you have the American trash can one, the American one, and you have like the kitchen one with the flip lid. Do you know, I used to run a club night called Trailer Trash. And I used oh. to hang knickers and bras around the club. That sounds On awesome. clothing lines. In, what, in case people like ran out or needed a spare. It was, or... it was way ahead of its time. And it was just, it was a wrong night. and the wrong. It was wrong everything. Well, for Dixie's and, uh, Trailer Park uh, porn hope you know if ever you have the travel Dixie flag of, flying around the bar as well yeah if ever y'all want to travel outside of the states there's a club here for you when covid is finished <laughs> give emmet wheelie bin cleary a show He's got you sorted my friends <laughs> and you can all be and if you want to fight we've got a guinness guru ready yeah ready for we'll just kick the fuck out i think we have a first uh, show. Uh, hey. a first public event right what? there we have our first we'll public event Right oh, there. we got to do this, man. Now, we get sponsored well, by Wavin Piping or something. They can build a stage at a Wavin Piping and everything. I think Cleveland it. Cable. Should there be young ones attending that event pulling up full oarboards looking for pipe? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Jesus Christ. We get all the top Ireland TikTok stars in to do it. You can't well, get, get it unless you have... Yes, uh... to deliver some of the clientele in wheelie bins. <laughs> <laughs> right, Jesus Christ, Emmett, can I ask you something? Go ahead. How, how did it all start? Like, when did you decide? You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to become a messer here, but I'm going to make it serious, legitimate business. Formal now, Emmett. <laughs> I have to go formal because we're getting out of control. We're talking about shot glass, fucking wheelie bins. I've had three wheelie bin shots. <laughs> I 
<laughs> and I've had six non-alcoholic Guinness. Trying to rein it in here. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so basically how I got into promoting is what you're asking. Yeah. Uh, so as you know, I'm from Wexford. I moved up. Uh, I moved up from Wexford uh, to do an engineering degree. So believe it or not, I actually have a degree in engineering. So I could what? physically make a wheelie bin. <laughs> from Segway. <laughs> and um, so I got a job in the Gaiety Theatre. And my first job ever in Dublin was handing out flyers on the top of Grafton Street. And probably my first ever insight into how kind of to Dublin, let's just say in the nicest way possible, mm. was one of my jobs that my manager used to send me to do was to go into other bars and clubs and flyer within those bars and clubs and to grab people and bring them out of the clubs. Cheap tricks. Cheap and there's tricks. been a couple like of times that I avoided a hiding because of I was that. thinking that yeah it's and I would those... go back to my manager and go I already got a hiding in there and he goes right, yeah, leave it off for a people. week he would be like so you only got two people yeah. I was like are you fucking kidding me leave it off till next week so basically I started in the Gaty then after the Gaty I worked there for about three years and I got a job as a cocktail barman in Four Dame Lane on Dame Street and I was there for a good year it was a salary job it wasn't a great salary job uh, to be honest I never got to see my family or friends or anything I was working yeah. six days a week I was working 80 hour weeks. Uh, the hours were, the bar only opened at four o'clock. So I would only go, and it was a late bar every night, so half two, three a.m. So I would get home at about five, six a.m. So I had no life. You go yeah. home, you sleep, and that was it. But then the recession of 2009, 2010 kicked in. And we were called into the head office of the Odeon group. And he basically told us that no one's coming out anymore. No one's spending any money. And it was across the board. It was, it was worldwide. You know, bars started closing, yeah. restaurants started closing. It was closing. the banker's recession, really. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And basically said, I have to take 30% off all your salaries. And I said, I can't afford to live in Dublin. If you do that, I, I think it was 650 euro. Because we were in the height of the Celtic Tiger. Sure. So I was sharing a two-bed apartment with my buddy in Smithfield. And uh, our rent was about 1300 a month, I think, which is nothing nowadays for a two-bedroom in Dublin, you know? And basically, I told him I can't afford to live in Dublin anymore. And he said, well, that's it. And I was the first employee to go, go fuck yourself. Good luck to you. I want my holiday pay. And I walked out. But I had a bit of a plan walking out. I was going to, I started kind of hanging out with a couple of promoters and started yeah. watching how the club nights were ran in Fordham Lane. And I kind of had an insight in the Gaiety. And I started taking a big passion in it and started watching stuff and, can I ask one question just before you get into that? Because this is actually yeah. something, because um, we've obviously talked about this before, but it's actually something that I'm really interested in hearing. When you were kind of sitting on the sidelines watching, this is a question I've always wanted to ask you. What was it, like, to get into the mind of you, what was it that stood out that you were kind of building your plan on? Them lads are always drinking. <laughs> I can do are, this. Are you talking, uh, what kind of drove from, me to sit? From a promoter's standpoint, like when you're, when you're, when you're working behind the bar on those 80 hour weeks, I mean, obviously you're seeing a lot. I mean, like that's pretty much your life, right? Um, so like when you guys, yeah. no, I kind of get, I, I get what you're saying. But if you guys, you guys kind of knew me from the club hell, the, nearly the decade of club hell, but I always stood beside the DJ looking over the balcony. And a lot, like I, I've had some people tell me, but like, oh, you're just looking down on everyone. 
No. But I'm not. I'm watching. Not at all. That's not. That's not an but I know anyway. But I certainly never heard that anyway. No, no. But 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 every club night, even the shooting nights, even the commercial club nights, up to when lockdown happened. But I'm always in that corner. But I'm watching two things. I'm watching the flow of the dance floor, and I'm also watching the front door mm. because I can tell you what time is, or what crowd is coming in at what time, and I know who to market to the following week. You have to remember when I run four club nights a week. That's anywhere from 800 to 1,000 people in each of those club nights a week. I have to know who my demographic is. And hence why I'm probably one of the most on-the-street promoters that I'm in every single club night. And I guess that kind of set me apart. And that's why I've been a a bit successful in this business because I'm very on the ground. I'm very active. I'm walking around. I'm seeing what's happening. I'm watching what's happening. Well, that's why I asked you that question. Do you think that you're... But I kind of... I can't do that when I was working behind the bar in Fordham Lane, I started watching and I would just, I would, I would be lashing out cocktails and it was a very busy bar to be fair to Fordham Lane. Yeah. it's a, yeah. It was but I was bar, constantly yeah. watching. And one of the things that I, I do is I constantly watch. I'm, I mightn't be listening half the time, <laughs> but I'm watching. I'm constantly watching and I'm all, always reading body. Like I've read I've numerous books behind me here on body language and I've studied body language and one of the things that I've tried to do in lockdown is actually learn sign language because I always thought that would be very handy to have in a nightclub or a bar environment yeah because the, the place is hopping people are can't talk it's always good to monitor people yeah but instead of me throwing up gang signs where I could actually be <laughs> meaningful signs going to another person working with me in the club where I could go hey check the back door yeah. or hey listen one let of the that crips. guy in <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. And so uh, what I started doing at Ford Dynamics, I was watching and I was like, I can do this so much better. And so I walked When did you know it escalated? I, wa- I walked, so I walked out with that meeting and I said, no, I can't do this anymore. And I had the intention. So I built up a lot of buddies in mm. the nightclubs. So my first ever club night was in Reynards. I approached a friend of mine, Erwin Pollard, who now owns his own pub in Dundrum, which is a beautiful craft beer bar, real minimalist and um, he's One doing outside, great for himself. Outside the centre, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Across the road. And Erwin uh, is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And he said, it was owned by Robbie Fox, the famous Robbie Fox. And he said, listen, but like things were kind of for Reynards. Reynards was up there with some of the hot clubs, like Clearly Bordellos and stuff. But Reynards was on the decline because of the recession. And if you ever notice a lot of promoters, when they're getting their first start, they deal with B and C bars and clubs. And we all have to start there. And it's only when you've worked like 10 years in the nightclub industry where you get the call off Carl Jackson from Coppers or you get the call from Sean Cal and Tramline where they go, hey, will you take over Saturday night? Our promoter has yeah. gone missing or something. But that, t- that comes with time. And just sure. you can't just walk into a Tramline and go, you know. So I've yeah. done this. I've served my time with the shit bars and clubs. And they're not, they're not shit bars and clubs, but I've served my time in the underground basements and all that stuff. And you but that's where I learned my craft. Literally. You start at but the bottom, where, yeah. Agreed, and that's where I learned my craft. And believe it or not, like when I did the Reynards gig, it was literally flyering and putting up posters around town. And Facebook was relatively new, mm-hmm. so I th- we called it "fuck rehab." Erwin, give me a break. It was I think I had maybe eighty people at my first club night, so mm-hmm. it wasn't too bad. It was on a Thursday night, and then I moved in to. Uh, I can't remember what I think it was Mantra and Minute. Mantra and Minute went really well because it was a student town. But then I started bringing over big act DJs from the UK where I started spending three thousand pounds. I would build up 
the months of money that mm. came in from, and then I would bring over a DJ. But that was my downfall. So what, there was one stage where I had seven club nights a week within Kildare and Dublin. Mm. But the problem was only two were making money. And, and the two other were five, supplying the other five just to kind of keep them ex- there. Like. Exactly. And yeah. the other five were, like I've done everything from mud wrestling in the mez to wet t-shirt competitions in Madonna's nightclub in Temple Bar where we made every national newspaper. To, Remember that night. To fire breathing nights in O'Reilly's where the fire alarm at half the Irish fire brigade have turned up, you know. So I've been there, I've done it all, I've been screamed at by every fire officer and superintendent in Ireland. But what happened was with my first go of promoting, it all went wrong because what happened was I started getting greedy with the seven club nights a week. Mm. And like if you guys know me, like ten years later, I had two nights, two solid nights, and maybe three or four, whatever, depending what month of the year it was. But those two solid Additional nights ones, were getting yeah. a thousand people each in. The bar was printing money. You know, it was things, it's a business now. But back then, I was young, naive. I was 21, 20. And I just. Well, you, you'd understand that. Like, from, from an outsider's of, perspective. Salt and vinegar, yeah. Mm. Yeah, plus, you were, like, people would have saw, well, if I can do this on two nights, why the fuck can't I do it for seven nights, right? It's a natural yeah. thing to think. Yeah. So no one's going to fault you on that. If it didn't work, it's not necessarily your fault. Who the fuck goes out on a Tuesday? Students. But students yeah. don't have money. So there's that very thin line about how do I balance the night, get people in the door to drink, yeah. but also making the bar happy by keeping the prices that little bit lower possibly. Yeah. Uh, entertainment comes into that as well. So what you've done over your years is managed to tread that line and you know exactly where that line is. So you've narrowed it down to your two big ones and then the other additionals, which, Absolutely. as you said, is enough to be... It, what's the best way of saying it? You've perfected what it is. You could easily do the same thing seven nights a week, but you know from experience it's not necessarily needed. Agreed. And like, like, like yeah, you exactly. guys know, like you guys know, I go over to Vegas every year now to the nightclub and bar show, and it's now more a studying and learning. So I'm mm-hmm. quite like I would be an OG now of the promoting student nights, but my student night is still ramming in a thousand people on a Monday night when you've got all yeah. these. Oh, we could use gang terms. We got all these little hoppers coming through now, and they're. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? They're 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 doing two hundred, yeah. three hundred. But there's a syndicate of about five of us guys who are in our mid thirties, who we pay tax and we have, we have company formations and stuff like that. Mm. And it's the only thing we really care about is these guys are taking two hundred people out of our venues. You know, even though they've only got two hundred and they're delighted and they're writing letters home to their mother and they're like, "We yeah. did it, baby, we did it." And I'm like, put on the red panties. But I'm texting yeah, Johnny. But I'm texting night. Johnny up in Dicey's going, "Fuck, only at 800 in last night. That little prick's after taking 200 off me." But he's telling he's won the lotto. You know what I mean? But it, does that not create this element for you to go right? I I need to do something different now. I need to have. I need to change the game a little bit. No. Or do you still fine tune your game? The only time I would ever do that is when I drop below 40. percent Right. Then because you know I'm only, I'm, only, I'm only dropping 20 percent. So and don't you're forget very because analytical, right? Um, oh, 100%. And you yeah. know that, guys, from my social yeah. media game. Yeah, you know? I was going to say that. You're very, very analytical. So, like, anything that you go by, you go by analytics. And when you see yeah. asses in seats, you know, to use that analogy, I suppose, asses in seats, whether it be... Yeah. When you like see I, asses in the door, you know you're doing what you need to do. And like, I would you use... your numbers game, yeah. Like, I, I would be probably out of the top five promoters in Dublin. I would be the most social media driven. 
I would spend sure, the yeah. most on social media marketing. I would spend the most on post-production as in photography and videographer with like Houston. So when the right venue, one of the biggest nightclubs ever in Ireland closed, I robbed Houston, their content creator immediately in the last six weeks of them closing down. I was like, Houston, come work with me, man. Mm. And he was like, yeah, but I'm going to need this. I was like, no, but how about I give you this? Because I'm going to give you three nights a week. And he was like, oh, cool. Let's do that. Well, and now I've been working with that guy for six years. I have a point and to make on this. Working. Yeah. Right. You said that we got two successful nights and then we don't do any other nights except for the other ones. No. But you still work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, promoting yeah. on Facebook, getting your, your, your production ready for the month ahead, uh, planning. Like, it's not a case if you just go down on a Saturday night, stand at the door, shake hands, have a few beers, say hello, be nice, go home in the afternoon. It's, it is a seven-day-week job, even for those two nights to be successful. Like if you broke down the, so let's put it this way. So what I currently had running and things could change when COVID comes back because it's going to be a whole different world. So before, just let's just say the week before COVID. When so COVID I had, goes away, you mean. Exactly. So like if I had cheap ass Mondays on the Monday night, which is our student night. And then I had bungalow Saturdays, which was a Saturday night. So I only have, like most promoters will have, will be monthly promoters and they will be bi-weekly promoters, but I am a week-to-week promoter. So I literally have a five-day turnaround. I always take the day after the event off and then I crack on again. But the problem is that I found anyway is it's, I don't know, I don't know how to answer that one. It kind of, if you broke down what I was to make, like, I'm not giving, like, I'm not, I don't want anyone to feel yep. sorry or anything. Yep. I'm not trying to go there. But if you broke down what I made on that Monday night for the amount of hours that I put into, like, say you guys work nine to five, mm-hmm. I would work five till 3 a.m. If you get me every mm-hmm. night, because there's certain times that I have to post and stuff like So you're literally, it's, it's, it's not really worth it. It's half a different the time. slog. It's a different yeah. slog. I it's a you. different it's, slog, but it's you know what? It's, it's my career choice and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not complaining about it. But there is nights, like I told you guys before privately, there is certain nights that I will start promoting two, three months in advance, like Paddy's Day, Paddy's Eve, New Year's Eve, August Bank Holiday. Uh, there's a thing called Black Monday here where it's the student night where the, all the colleges are back. There's five nights of the year where I'll start promoting two to three months in advance. Even though, even though, here's the thing, even though it'll be the same amount of numbers on those massive five nights that I traditionally get mm. on the midweek club nights, there's a different element of production. There's a different element. That's of what crowd. I was going to say, yeah, because, I mean, like the bar can only hold so much and you're practically filling it most nights that you have your nights. So how do you make those nights better and more efficient to come out on top on those particular special nights? So one of the things why I've been so successful, I guess, in my career of doing this is I, the first thing I always say when I meet a new bar manager or nightclub manager is I say, I want to work with you. I want to be your partner and I want this to be 50-50. And my thing has always been 50-50. I never go in and go, I want 80% of the door. You've got 20. That isn't really strange situations where I don't trust the nightclub mm. or I think the, the cash is wrong or there's something wrong. There's an element of the nightclub. It actually happened on one of the nightclubs on Hardcore Street. I won't mention it. It's not copper, but I dealt with them for, I signed a six month contract and I was out there on week four. And we went from them having 120 people in the club 
to hitting capacity of 500 on the second Wednesday night. Wow. And I, w- I left after week four because the count was wrong. Yeah. And there was a problem with the cash and there was a problem with the cash coming from the customer to the door to me. Yeah. And yeah. now I did change that after the week flow, three. The but, flow was wrong. Basically, but I did change that. Yeah. I changed our staff out for my staff. I've got some really good girls that the count is always right and guys as well. But yeah. the problem is it, the trust is broken. Yeah. And so week four, I pulled the team, pulled my DJ, pulled my floor girl, I pulled everyone. And in that kind of game, like I think it's fair to say, especially in that kind of game, in any kind of promotion game, trust is one of those things that's really hard. To it's come very by. rare, very uh, rare like that I will trust someone with the cash. Super rare, like do you know what I mean? So once you break that, you know, very important code, then it's game over, right? The problem is a lot of promoters will pay their the most important person. If they're not your best friend or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever have you, if you don't trust your cash person, you're not gonna. You can't run a club night. So you guys know Kev. Kev was my. Kev was always had the cash straight for years. My best friend me. still he, to this day. There yeah. you go. Your best friend, man, and Finch, good friend of Finchy and me, and he always had the cash straight. And Kev was my guy for years, and. But sometimes I would work with a nightclub where they wouldn't allow me to have their cash person. Automatically, so the trust is gone. There's already a trust yeah, issue there. 100%. And, and we have caught out. But I would have Kev, even though with those club nights back in the day, Kev would still be beside me in the club night. Yeah. But what yeah. we would do is me and Kev would take turns of fucking making them feel so uncomfortable. We would stand over them in the cash box to a point where they go, you guys just come in here and do the cash yourself. Yeah. And I'd be like, it, it's not a gangster move, it's a trust move. But look, you know? it's, it's, it's a business move, right? Yeah. In Absolutely, a game yeah. where, where you have multiple partners involved and this money is physically moving location and it's physically covering hands, then you have to be careful because they don't know you, you don't know them. As you said, you'll trust anybody in your family with money, you know, in most cases, but business is business. This is not a, yeah. this is not a, a, a black market deal. This is not a sleight of hand trick. This is business. You've got to pay tax with that money. You've got to pay staff with that money. You have advertising fees you've got to pay. There's, There's, yeah. There's yeah. every bit of that. So, I mean, after learning those mistakes and you kind of went, well, this is what I, I shouldn't do. That's what 10 years of, of, of this does for you, right? This is what creates, a, a, it's a big word to use, but I think we could safely use it in the terms of, of Dublin anyway, is the empire that you've created, right? Yeah. The reputation that people know who you are and what you do is is something that, you know, if somebody mentions your name or what you do, people know in that industry who you are, right? That is that is probably the hardest thing to get, in especially in a world now where social, uh, you know, construct is so important to people that you just trying to be remembered. All right, in a game like that, it is important to you. You've built up that reputation over the years. My question is this though, after ten years of putting your absolute heart, soul, money, blood, sweat, and tears into it. For it to be shut down, how do you, being a meticulous person as you are and detailed as you are in running your nights, how do you plan ahead now not knowing what the future is going to hold for your industry? So, okay, it's, uh, this podcast goes out on what day, Ian? Um, this will, this always goes out on a Tuesday. Okay, so let's say it's Tuesday night and let's say what was the closest Tuesday to this? It was the 17th. I'm going to predict this is how nightlife's going to be when COVID vaccines and stuff like that come in. Okay. I think that the landscape is going to change 
I think it's going to get more expensive for, for promoters and nightclubs to operate. I think the, you guys know me. I've always been a great operator of free entry because yep. I think I always, I always talk to you guys, even as customers and friends in the bars. We, I always talk to you about you guys would go, hey, I'm going to this bar after here or I'm going to that. And you'd be like, oh, you'd always think you feel guilty. You know? But I was like, no, this is always a choice. This is Fair your enough. Saturday night. This is your Monday night. I want you to go out and if you pop into me and say hello and you buy a drink in this bar, that's fantastic. I can verify that every single time. I can verify that. Not but one I, time. But where I'm going with this, scene is I yeah. don't, as a promoter, I don't own you as another human being, own your night out. Yeah. I have yeah. a choice. If you want to come down to me and have a little boogie and then go up to the other bar, have a boogie and come back to me, that's absolutely fine. And I think that's where promoters need to cop on. I'll give it. I'll give. I'll give an example. I'm actually. I'm going to answer your question in a second, Finchie. Sorry. Well, well, I'm just going to actually jump in in your not even in your defence, but to add to your story there. Um, I remember many, many an occasion actually where I would come down with my better half. Your better half would be there as well. They're both very good friends. We would be chatting away everyone would go oh do you want to go somewhere else we would be there and they would say oh do you want to go down to the bar down the road and this is an actual fact Emmett would be like yeah don't worry i'll be down to you in about an hour <laughs> and Emmett would come down and he would be drinking with us and literally hanging around in the other bar as well so that's why i have such respect for you in that sense do you know what i mean yeah um, as a promoter because you you literally you don't just preach shit you 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 act on what you preach. Why would you alien? Why would I alienate myself from the wider community? Exactly. You know what I mean. And Tell just going back butter. to exactly, and just going back to Finchie's point, I think uh, so. Like I like I said, I think it's Tuesday here, uh, November twenty twenty. My prediction is, yeah, the days of free entry are gone because mm-hmm. promoters now have to know how many people are going to be into the bar. There's going to be limited capacity. We need to. The queue system is going to be different. Yeah. Uh, it will be cashless transactions. So when you come up with your ticket that you bought off Eventbrite or Ticketmaster mm. or whatever platform you're using, you will drop that into a box in front of me or one of my team. Security will now be wearing masks till 2021, I think, to be quite honest. Oh, it's, it's going to go well into, I think, the, the early part of, of next year. I think all staff yeah. and security and promoters and... DJs, if they're not in a high rise or if they're if the photographer, I think it's going to be mandatory for staff. I think it's going to be limited capacity. So if you've got a thousand people in the club before COVID, it'll be five hundred now. I, I think, think this is yeah. I think this I, is going to be milked to the absolute I, nines for sure. I think, and one of the things I know, like oh, the poor promoter, boo hoo, limited capacity. But the problem is, it might get to a stage in some of the smaller venues that it's not worth it's the time. It's not yeah, feasible. Exactly. So if you're paying a DJ, if you're paying a DJ 300 euro, you're paying a photographer 100 euro, you're paying design 100 euro, you're paying. So put it this way, there's some club nights that you'll go in at 1,000 euro. And this is just general DJ, general design, yeah. general Facebook advertising. And you'll be 1,000 euro on the whole. And you're only getting 100 people in at a tenner. I'm sorry, so but look, what's the point? Um, Go I, ahead, don't, I don't, I no, don't do it for I, the love. I was actually you know? just going to ask because obviously on my show, right, this is the first um, this is the first podcast of its kind that's been on Dynamo's Dozen where we've had somebody promoting outside of, say, pro wrestling or boxing or, or sporting events. Do you know what I mean? 
Um, and I think it's 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 really cool because this is why I was really kind of uh, happy to kind of bring your story to this podcast because it will actually kind of create the wheels in a lot of promoters' heads, whether it be pro wrestling, whether it be boxing, whether it be... It's the same concept all around. Exactly. It's, 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 people have the same, uh, it's promoting. They're all, they're all, all going to feel the same pitch. Exactly. Yeah. It's promoting. Whatever your interest is, you've got a guy that's promoting this and putting his ass on the line. I mean, look at look at the weekend. Katie Taylor, our absolute, you know, goddess out and brave. What what what, a, what mm-hmm. an absolute champion! Like, um, you know, she's got a promoter in Eddie Hearn that absolutely knows how to promote that lady and 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 get the best out of her and get her paid well too. Yeah. So, Emmett, what a you know, to, instead of putting it in a, a long roundabout way, I just want to ask you, without giving away any of your secrets, um. Because I always said this to you, I was I always joke with you and say you're you're the Vinnie McMahon, <laughs> and you always laugh at that. You're like Vince. He's got McMahon. the walk as well. Like, yeah, yeah, he's got the little Vince McMahon walk. When he gets confident, <laughs> when he knows he's on his shoulders, when he knows he's walking out to Wexford Town, he gets, like that. he gets the billionaire strut. But um, no, <laughs> just for reference, we're all doing the billionaire strut. <laughs> we're all doing it right now. In fairness. We all are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, the reason I say Vince McMahon because I mean that's a guy. You know, it, it, it's such a similar story to the way you are. Someone that was sitting on the sidelines looking at shit and just mm. took a chance and said, you know what? I'm actually going to get stopped by fire brigades. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I'm going and, to... And, and that's why it's such a cool story. But what I, what I would ask, for anybody that is an up-and-coming promoter in any situation, just any situation, without giving away your secrets, what would be your, your, your advice? What would be your, your general advice for... People that, even though we're in a COVID situation, but they still have that passion to promote or create something. Mm. You know what I mean? So I guess I, I'll tell you a little bit of my secrets and my philosophy in, like I told you guys earlier, I would be known more as a social media promoter in Ireland. Well, we know I, all your secrets now. That's, that's, that's. Oh, shit. Okay. The wheelie <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but, um, so one of my principles is, so I, I'd be, mainly social media driven i use a couple of third-party applications like as in to create generate guest list and database and stuff like that but my main focus and my main drive for the last 10 years has always been facebook people always say oh facebook's dead facebook is not dead it's still the best isn't it, it, it for me and so many others it really is for me because on the this thing, podcast it is as well still there you go yeah. and the thing with facebook is if you know the algorithm and you know how it works it will work for you. So like I've showed you guys as well. I, I've had, I, my party house promotion page has 40,000 likes. It's not, it's not amazing, but it gets a million engagement a month. And the reason it does that is because I have a, a principle where it's 80% sharing silly memes and sharing updates about news stories and just sharing general shite. But then there's 20% business. Just for context, the population of Ireland is 5 million. Yeah. That'll tell you the reach. So that's one, like that's a fifth. And I'm, one a, guy, people want to I'm see a guy it. sitting on my phone just every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not an influencer. I'm not a social media celeb. I'm a promoter. And you know me. I'm the Fuck guy those who likes, guys anyway. But I'm, I'm the gonna, guy. I'm going to say that. Fuck those guys. But I'm the guy who that. likes to stand behind the curtain. Always have been that way in my life. This is the second ever podcast I've ever done in my life, you know? And one of the principles I had is the 80-20. So, you can't bombard people on social media with yeah. my events coming up, my events coming up. It's a real yeah. rookie move. Mm-hmm. So why don't you go 
shared that video of some lad falling, know, off falling off a donkey <laughs> and then the donkey shits on him. But then when you hit 10,000 engagement on that, the next one is, if you like that, you're going to love our wheelie bin shots in Club Hell this Friday. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And then you've got the engagement and that's how you get to there, you know? So it's uh, a slow process, but it, but it's a case of committing to it and engaging with and, and committing to your product, right? And here's the one thing I always tell bars and nightclub managers. Social media isn't a nine-to-five job. And I've been in front of so many marketing teams where I've never got the job. Like, I've been called in front of so many clubs in, in 2019 because O'Reilly's is flying. And they were going, so Emma, what are you going to do first? I'm going to be like, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to sort out your social media. And she goes, what do you mean? It goes, well, your manager there gave me access to it on the back end. And I noticed that you guys log off at five o'clock. And she went, yeah. But I said, on Saturday night, it's your club night. And she went, yeah. And I goes, but you know the primary bookings for club nights come in from half seven to 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. When people are looking for something to do. And she will go, what did you do on Saturday night? They'll go three grand. And they'll be like, well, O'Reilly's did fucking 16 grand there on Saturday night. And they were like, how? And I was like, because I'm answering and taking the bookings past five o'clock. Social media for the hospitality industry is not a nine to five. And that is my main mantra. Social media is a 24-hour job. You can go to sleep, but when you wake up in the morning and before you go to bed, you, you, gotta have, be to on tell, you have to tell Ian and Finchie your table is booked for tomorrow night. Because yeah. if you don't do it within 10 minutes, of pick they booking, else. they've already texted a rival club, a rival mm-hmm. bar. So social media is 24-7. But it's, it's building Instagram, it's building Facebook, TikTok. Trust. It's building up a trust with the audience as well, isn't it? Because, I mean, like I have a core group of people that listen to this show regardless. Mm. Like, and it will be people listening to this show now and listening to some of our shenanigans about, you know, slapping the head off <laughs> of, of a Guinness taste. Oh, I forgot about that. Alcoholic you know, Guinness. No, but, 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 but all joking aside, like it is, it's, 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 it's because you engage with an audience and like people, I think what I'm trying to say there, um, Emmett, and especially when I started this podcast, you were, and I'm not going to blow smoke up your hole here, but, but just, Honestly, one of the things that I noticed that you had was engagement with your audience, like super engagement. And that's but it's just sharing that, the crack. Half that's the time, it. It know? would have been such an easy thing for me as a, as a former wrestler to kind of put on the dynamo gimmick and, you know, just play the character, interview people in mm. character. It's not really the case. You want to, you want to kind of, people want to see who's controlling, you know, the, the the full you know what's what's the Wizard of Oz what was it the uh, the great the great Oz people want to sneak behind the curtain and see who it is that's controlling that and like and exactly. I think that's what people that's when you gain trust right they yeah. also want to know them there's that yes. socialite aspect where they kind of exactly. go I know Emmett he looked after me that's where we're going Saturday night exactly. and their friends are like exactly. well, where's good to go on a Saturday night listen I got you started I know a guy that element for that socialite who's creating that aspect. Yeah, they go to you for that, and, and they all feel you're doing great too. They feel great. Like if dude. you're like Emmett's my guy, I know. Don't worry, I know a place. We'll go here. Let's let's go yeah. and check it out. You know what well, I mean? Probably it's... just on that, and a quick little uh, snippet for you. It's three times in O'Reilly's. So O'Reilly's is built like uh, upstairs. We host our friends behind the DJ. So you walk up about twenty stairs. Uh, it's nothing VIP. It's nothing fancy. It's now actually a storage room because we need because the bar has gotten so busy. We mm. actually have kegs and everything up there. It's crazy. But back with the club hell days, I used to entertain all my close friends like you guys and everyone up there. 
but the amount of times and one of the funniest stories was a guy came up to me and he was like hey um listen i can go upstairs and i went and, and you know me and a lot of the time i would have stood at the bottom of the stairs watching the crowd yeah and i would i would monitor to be fair if i was there on the night i would i like to keep it just friendly upstairs mm. and um a guy came up to me and he goes i'm going upstairs and i went i know you're not buddy and he went it's all right, another promoter. And I was like, oh, Jesus, man, dear. I was like, cool. And he was like, and this guy is about 30 now. This isn't a kid. This the guy is about 30. Very sane, pretty sober. And he goes, I know the promoter. And I was like, okay, cool, man, yeah. I was like, what's his name? And he goes, Emmett. And I was like, ah, oh, no way. Because what's his second name? And he goes, I don't know, he's just Emmett, the promoter. I was like, I thought you knew him. And he goes, yeah, I have his number there. And I was like, give him a call. And um, he made a fake call, of course. <laughs> Said, Wouldn't it be uh, funny if your phone started ringing? I was like, hoping your phone I'm rang. Take this I was hoping. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I was and, hoping um, your phone rang. And Kev, Kev was actually beside me at the time. And Kev was like, oh, are you serious, man? And Kev was like, Emmett's not here tonight. And he goes, ah, oh, he is. He's upstairs. And I turned to the guy and I was like, nah, Emmett's not here tonight, man. And he was like, all right, cool. And your man was like, ah, oh, that's bullshit. He told me I could come upstairs. And I was like, Nah, sure, give him a show anyway and come back over to me and we'll sort you out. <laughs> and he was like, all right, cool, yeah. Never saw him again. No. That's because he didn't have your number to text you. And to be honest, man, you know, like uh, with my club nights, I would never put my name to anything. It's just no, the club night no. name. You know what I mean? No, no, no. And anyone that knew me would know that I'd be upstairs probably crying. <laughs> <laughs> and crying in a good way as in... In a large bottle of pink juice. And you know what's quite funny? My content creator, Houston used to keep taking, I don't know if you ever saw that on my social media, but Houston used to keep taking photos of me within 2019 of all the madness going on downstairs. But then upstairs, when there's no one up there, I would be on my phone in complete darkness and you just see the shine, the shine of my light. Because on Mondays, I would mark it Saturdays. On a Saturdays, I would mark it for Monday. So yeah. I'm always sitting in the back, just on my phone, just rattling away. And Houston started taking these photos and he was like, I'm going to create a book called Alone at Capacity. Oh, that is fantastic. And it's just awesome. me in a club where he would take a photo of a thousand people in the club and then it would just be me in the corner. Like little Still corner boy, boy, little boy blue, just on my phone. <laughs> little boy blue. Little boy blue, yeah. <laughs> like that. But that's the side of promoters you don't see. Kind of like, it's not all, I wish I went home and fucking did cocaine and rode hooers and fucking did all that crap. <laughs> but I go home and have a so to the first on the guys. That's what he wants. Help a brother out, you know, in Corona. Yeah, to be words. fair, that got very close in the Madonna's nightclub days, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, but um, I come home and I have a pot noodle or a crisp sandwich and a cup of tea and go to bed after. And maybe a shower some nights if it's fucking crazy in the club, you know? I suppose as we kind of wind down now um, to the end of the show, like, realistically and i guess we can answer this between the three of us but probably more so yourself emmett because you are kind of out there you know promoting gigs and stuff but like what is the end game here for for, this? for me I mean, well, yeah, well yeah pretty much because i wanted this show to be about um because you are the voice of artists there is artists out there now listening whether they're mm -hmm. in a band like um like finchie mentioned earlier or you know mm -hmm they're you know promoting a play or something that they want to do or they're promoting whatever the hell it is that's in it, it, that's live entertainment you are someone here now that is feeling the the pinch and feeling the effect um what do you think the end game of this is and, and how do you think we move forward 
I think um, I'll give you my perspective and then I will yeah, give you, you hopefully a great outlook. I'll give you my personal perspective of where I see and my thoughts on kind of just the hospitality industry in general. Um, and then I'll give you a perspective of just the wider audience of people in the hospitality industry. But for me personally, one of my goals, I'm 34 now, but one of my goals was to one day own a pub, but like a traditional pub where it held about 50 people and it was just a whiskey old man boozer bar, I guess is I how you, you guys would kind. know. A good like, a, like, a, like, a, like a Bose or Mulligan's Irish bar. Yeah. Yeah. I always wanted to be an investor in one of those bars and let someone run it. And just so I could lean back on that bar for the rest of my life. But what this COVID-19 has showed me is that the hospitality industry, I always thought, I always knew and I always thought that restaurant industry was the hardest industry to ever make money in. Because if you don't get it right and you don't make good food and you get a couple of bad reviews, you're fucked before you even start. But with pubs, you can always flip it, change it, rename it, do something different, uh, change your niche. You can always, so pub was always solid, especially a traditional pub. Like O'Reilly. Well, O'Reilly's is, well, it went, for, it went from a two-person bar to when you got in there to fill yeah. in the place. So yeah, there's yeah. a prime example of conversion. That that's a good point. Um, but yeah, me personally, I would I would love a traditional bar. Mm. Um, yes, I would love to get my hands on Riley's because it'd be fucking seven nights a week in their fucking <laughs> club night jammers. But I guess now that what COVID nineteen has taught me personally, uh, by the time I'm forty, I think my perspective has changed because the one industry there's a i guess in the in the sopranos when tony says to sill there's three things that are recession proof there's prostitution drug dealing and our thing they're the three things that are always recession proof yeah and i guess what i've seen now in the hospitality industry nothing is recession proof except spirits and beer and the off trade the off trade have had a 200 percent growth yeah so I guess I've changed my alliance now from wanting to be a part owner in a bar or a nightclub to now wanting my own gin or whiskey, like a Cleary or mm. say my old family makes same like a Shannon McCarthy gin or whiskey. So that's where my allegiance lies now going forward after my promoting days. Like I, I'm 34, I'm running a student night where my daughter or son, if I had one, could be actually partying in now. So there is a limited time. You can't be a 40-year-old promoter running a club night. Don't make me older. A student club night. No, but you can't be a 40-year-old student club night promoter because it's just weird. And like, look at those millennials and Gen Z and Gen X. It's different things in different times. It's different mentalities, of course. I've given myself, I had given myself to 34, but I will go one more year if the nightclubs want me back. And I've already signed on to two for 2021. I was, so, I was going to say that. I think it's going to be uh, a big thing for you when this does lift because people are going to rely on, the bars are going to rely on people like you. They're going to come go, back to old dogs. We need to yeah. boost this. Well, it comes we back need, to one to word, doesn't back. it, Finchie? Finchie, yeah. you would agree with me here, Finchie. It comes back to one word, trust. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. going to be the guy that they trust. He's earned but it I, over 10 years. It's, he's he's going to be the, the first, first call. You know? They'll all be calling you, except for that guy who's at the bottom of the stairs because he doesn't have your number. But everybody else will be calling you. And if that Terry Guinness guy barred. comes in, he's going out with a wheelie bin. <laughs> Terry is barred and Guinness Guru in the wheelie bin. But for the wider audience, what I think, like you said, <laughs> that's very funny. But that I, think, very funny. I think for the wider audience, 
I think that all the hospitality industry, all the, even just the workers, I think everyone that has, I feel really sorry for them. And now there's a whole cry at Christmas now that they don't know if they can afford presents for their kids, for their kids and stuff. That's and I think right that's, like, I you know, can't I, sit on Santi's lap. Nobody's thought of this yet. That's going to be a major problem. But I know bartenders, get a photograph? I know bartenders who have been 45 years pulling points. Never wanted to be a manager. Never wanted to be a supervisor. Yeah, and I always said to my, I always, I always said to my dad, "What a great way to live your life! If you knew the same wage you're going to get for the next forty years of your life, you could own houses, cars, you could go on mm-hmm. holidays the same time every year. What a great way to live your life!" And yeah. these are the guys that we spoke about with the VFI or LBA, and that's what the VFI they are paying a private pension into those. That's what those companies are for the VFI and the LBA. Those guys know that they're going to get a private pension at the end of that. But what I do feel sorry for is the young bar staff that are from overseas and domestic yeah. and international that have just had their wage completely destroyed. They couldn't afford rent. They've had to move back in with mommy. The problem is if they've left the bars that they've worked in, those bars will barely be able to hire them back because yeah. this whole gold rush that everyone taught when the bars were going to open back up in the second lockdown, it didn't happen. And I know this mm. from case study from 20 pubs that I know that they all thought, oh, we're never going to need promoters again. When we open back up, Emma, it's going to be, gonna be fucking, jammers seven it's gonna nights be, a week. It's going to be fucking yeah. printing money in this pub. You know what the problem was? They went from five grand to four grand to three grand to mm. two grand because their consumer confidence is completely rocked. And yeah. I might be in a unique position because I am a student promoter the 18 to 21 year old demographic don't give a flying fuck about COVID. And it probably will be a very busy time for me when this shit does get back to normal. But again, like I said previous, it's going to be limited capacity. Yeah. So the, the atmosphere to, is not going to be the same, which not can, undoubtedly, can undoubtedly change the, the, the future of what you do. <laughs> if there's no atmosphere, there's no nights, there's no enjoyment. People are just going to go, you know what? Let's get six cans in the fucking off license and sit at home and have a few beers. Because now they've been doing it for nine months straight. They realize how much money they're saving. They're going, the why, why would we get out? I don't have to buy makeup or clothes. Yeah. I can just fucking drink That's at home with the boys. Word. That's the key word. You know, there's no atmosphere. And nine months. That, nine months is a long time. I mean, that's that's my year, worry. Dude. There's you a baby a born baby after that. Time. You know exactly. You know, there's you a know? there's a new life born after that. A human life. Period. A human life. Yeah. Um, a human life. You see, before COVID and came out when the bars are closed. Imagine that. So um, I don't know. I think in closing, the best way we can do is we can all have hope. I I do agree. I think agree. Um, it I, will I, bounce back, Ted. Well, oh, no, I do believe that we'll bounce back. I think we'll eventually yeah. get back on our feet. I think, um, you know, there's probably, you know, I, I know there's many different, it's not just the United States, there's many different nationalities that listen to uh, Dynamo's Dozen. And, you know, I, I, I would like to say, like, from an Irish standpoint, um, you know, look, we're in the same boat as you guys. Um, you know, I know a lot of other countries have done better than us in terms of lockdowns and stuff like that. We still have our airports open. Some countries don't. Um, that's another, you know, conversation for another day. I'm sure that we can have, in how, um, I suppose, ridiculous our our leaders are. I suppose, um, you can leave, but you can't come home for Christmas. Um, but there is plenty of great countries out there. I mean, I, I want to look at the likes of Sweden. I want to look at the likes of New Zealand. Want to look at the likes of Japan, and countries that have really kind of, you know led by example and shown how you can control this virus and i think you know that should give human beings that are sitting listening to this a little bit of hope 
that once we do get it under control, we will be back to normality, man. Well, Look, we, we've gone through worse. We As have. Irish people, we've I gone through so much worse. And we've come out the other side still going, that was mad crack. One point. It's what we do. Yeah. It's what we yeah, do. We do. We, we do. do. We do. And yeah. uh, look, I think in closing that, that's, that's, it's been a great show today. It's been something very Thanks for having great. me on, boys. Really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. Called out a lot of people. <laughs> but sure, listen. I, did, I, like this, this I hope he hears it. If somebody's hearing this right now that knows this kid, send it on to him and tell him to sit down. Oh, I'm going to tag him in this. It's my pleasure, and this is yes. not getting recorded. Scoot to at an hour and 40 this is the minutes final there. recording of this show as well. <laughs> this, we, are not, we, are not, we are not editing anything on this. Nothing. No. no. I'm all in. Yeah. yeah. I'll meet you at Obama Plaza behind the bins. Man. We'll fight. Listen, I, Ian, I just thanks a... for having me on, bro. And I can't wait to do other stuff with you because this is my first taste of a real podcast. The first one was a pre-lockdown kind of just chat with a mate of mine who's a DJ. And it was a great. But this show is my first well. real podcast of having crack with good friends, real Guinness, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of fun. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Finchy. Thank you, and obviously thank you, Finchy. Finchy's always uh, my right-hand man with some of these shows as well, so thanks, Finchy. I appreciate that. No problem. Um, yeah, we are going to do this again, guys. Um, once again, this is a, a show brought to you by the brand-new Dynamo Podcast Network. Um, please do subscribe, go and like on Facebook, um, Twitter, and Instagram. You know the usual handles. And this podcast uh, will be uh, will definitely be uh, followed up by a part two, I am sure. And um, we will uh, we will come out on the flip side of this one. So for me, Ian the Dynamo Kelly, for Emmett Cleary, for Finchy Covidex, we're going to call him. Uh, this is Dynamo's Dozen, over and out. <laughs>